welcome to the Enhanced Living Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kruger. I believe that we all have within us the power to be everything that we are meant to be and so much more. This show is a weekly dose of practical and spiritual principles, strategies, tips, and ideas to help you grow into the best version of yourself. Here's to becoming exactly who you were meant to become. I've been called a human Swiss army knife because I'm a TV host, inspirational speaker and coach, live event MC and DJ, certified yoga and Ayurveda teacher, functional fitness enthusiast, author, husband, and dad with a voracious appetite for knowledge. And I'll be sharing real talks with successful people from all walks of life, spiritual teachers and masters and experts in many different fields. I'll also share my own perspective that I've gained from over 20 years of diligent meditation and spiritual work so we can all experience enhanced living. Are you ready to evolve? Let's do this. All right, welcome back to Enhanced Living. My guest today, you may know actually from television because he's been on a ton of things. He was on the new 90210 as Navid. He was on True Blood. He's a producer. The thing is, in in my experience with this amazing gentleman, I'll say, yeah, why not? Thank you. He's he's, he's a produ- he's a dad. He's a husband. He's one of the kindest people I've ever met. Michael Steger is on the show with me today. Michael, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, I this is an honor to be on your podcast. I mean, this is really really cool. I'm so excited for you. Oh, man, I'm 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 humbled. I want to kick things off right away with You've had a lot of success in the Hollywood industry, right? Which is something that I know a lot of people aspire to, but it's not necessarily something that people attain. It's a very it's a very small group of people who actually achieve success in in that industry, at least when you look at the numbers, right? So was yeah. it something you always knew you wanted to do or was it something you kind of fell into as you as you grew older? I think it was, you know, it all started with like my intense passion for martial arts. Like I was obsessed with, uh, with Brandon Lee. Like I would watch his movies over and over and over. So I was very, I was in a very artistic form of martial arts. And I knew if I wanted to be an actor, I had to work at it. So from like the age of 13, I started doing plays and theater and, and uh, I didn't stop, you know, like I caught the bug really early and I was very lucky to have a very uh, supportive mom. And so I kept doing it. And I had, you know, these roadblocks as well. Like, uh, you know, I went to a very, very competitive high school, which was a biggest challenge for me because it made me not like acting anymore. When I graduated high school, like I, I got to senior year and I, I was like, okay, this is, I think I've had enough. I'm going to, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit acting. And I did, but then something happened where I, I went to a university that didn't specialize in the arts. It was an engineering college. and. I went to see one production of Hamlet. It it ruined everything. It threw it, it like it started the whole train back to acting, and found out they had a little theater program, of like very very. There was almost like 20, 30 actors. I was so small, and I joined that program, and it you know it changed my life because it you know I did a lot of, I did training that I never had before, and I just took acting very seriously. And there was just always something in me that I, I just, I knew this is the only thing that I could possibly do. And I, I didn't stop. That's, I mean, first of all, I think that's, I think that's an amazing, amazing story because you said you quit after high school and then found it was one play and that launched you right back into your purpose. What, what made you quit? I mean, besides the competition and the competitive nature of the high school, what was it that made you go, you know what, I, this isn't for me. 
was it competitive side of it or was it just you just got tired of it? it it's just funny because when you when you're in a, such a program, it is very competitive. And then when you're in a certain group of people, sometimes this group, the group chooses a person like, oh, that's that's the star. That's the person that's going to make it. So certain people give other people power. And if you let it, it can take away. You can let it affect you. And so I, I made it a big deal one time that I didn't get the lead in one play. And so I let it affect me. And I'm like, well, if I didn't get that part, I'm not good enough. So I, I might as well be honest with myself. Maybe this isn't my career path. But I had a very life-changing trip to Ecuador after my graduation. And that kind of freed me up because I, I went on this trip, went to the Amazon, went all over the jungle. And I just thought about my life. And I, well, I guess I kind of could do acting on the side and not take it seriously. And then major in biology. That was my way of quitting. Like maybe I'll just audition for a few commercials, see if I get lucky. If I don't, no big deal. Uh, I'll still have my degree. Yeah, that was my way of, um, of distancing myself from acting, but I, there was no really real escape from it because I loved it so much. And uh, I found my way back. I mean, do you think that maybe there was this fear because you didn't book that, you know, lead in that play and you were like, well, maybe, maybe I don't measure up and, and, and this fear of if I can't do it here, then I should just stop because I don't want to run into rejection elsewhere. Do you think that that kind of played into the, and I'm using air quotes, but that quitting <laughs> for, for a second before you came back to it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, and it's almost like that mindset too, of like lack limitation. There's, there's not enough for everybody that, that came into play when in reality, there's so much more room for so many other talented actors to make it. I was, I was coming from a very small limitation mindset. And I mean, what I tell a lot of actors is there's, there's so, there's so much room for you. So many opportunities. You just have to go find it. You know, don't worry about that person's success. Don't worry about what that other person's doing. Uh, you know, focus on you and focus on your path. And that's what I learned, you know, and uh, thankfully I learned it very young. How did you overcome the, that, that fear, that fear, that limitation mindset? Because on the show, we do talk about a lot, you know, the idea of becoming the best version of yourself and improving things to the point where, you know, you can literally live your best life, right? So obviously when you're coming from a fear and, and lack-based mindset, you're not doing that. You're, you're shrinking from, from the moment instead of rising to it and meeting it. But you did overcome that. How did you, what would you say was the most relevant thing that made you actually rise to the occasion and overcome it? Was it the passion and desire that was just burning in you to do like what it is that you knew you were meant to do? Or was there, was there another influence that helped you overcome that moment and that fear? One, one great thing that, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm always been affected by the books that I've read and uh, I've always been inspired by reading. And that's like my main meditation. I love to read. And, you know, at 18, I wasn't a very good reader. So that's why I was obsessed with reading. I, I, I wanted to be very good at, you know, I just wanted to, be, to read a lot, you know, and I read The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. And it took me two months to read this book but it, it, it changed my life. And a lot of people are like, you like that book? You like that book? You know, I don't subscribe to a lot of the ideas that she talks about because she's very, she's very extreme, but I just loved her main character, Howard Work, and how everybody hated this guy for what he was doing. He, he pretty much changed the landscape of architecture and nobody was rooting for him. Everybody went against him. Everybody, no one um, really liked his vision. He pretty much, his character in the book came up with, the modern architecture, like you see all over Vancouver with the glass, the glass walls, and everybody hated that about him. But it was just uh, it was an interesting character for me to follow because nobody 
was on his side. Everybody was trying to tear him down. And for me at the point in high school and college, everybody was against me wanting to be an actor. And I just, for some reason, identified with that character because people would always, when I try to pursue acting, people would tell me like it was a waste of time. It's not worth it. Don't give a shot. And you should focus on a different career. And I, thankfully, because of that book, I, I didn't listen to anybody. I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. I need to stay focused on my path. And I just ignored a lot of people. And I'm thankful for that book. I think that that's, first of all, that's beautiful on, on two on two subjects. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start first with the idea of ignoring a lot of people. I think more people should do that. And I know that that may sound callous at first, but the fact of the matter is, is that nobody's living your life except for you, right? So you have yeah. to do what's good for you. And you intuitively, and also through this book, found your way to do this, which, you know, I'm going to applaud that right off the bat, because as a younger person, I just said as a younger person, which makes me sound old, <laughs> but you know, when I was super young, I didn't have the courage to do that. I didn't have the ability to stand apart. I, I really didn't come into my own personally until until I became a dad. That's my my real true, you know, that was the point where I was like, you know what? No, what's good for me is good for me. Yeah. I'm going to do what's right. You were able to find that so much younger. And I find that those who find that at a younger, whenever you do find that, that's when you really start on the road to success. So I, I just think that that's a beautiful thing. And that's, you're so fortunate for having that the ability to really kind of, you know, go your own way. And, and it didn't matter what anyone said. You just did what you needed to do. But I want to touch on weakness to strength because you basically said that you you weren't a very good reader. And because of that, you chose to read as much as you could to turn that weakness into a strength. Yeah. That's a quality that I found is is something that successful people do. They find a weakness within themselves and they they turn it into their favorite thing to do so that weakness can become a strength. Can we talk about that for a second? Have you yeah. applied that to other parts of your life where you've gone, you know what? I'm not so good at this. I'm going to do it more. Yeah, with a lot of things because, and I always, you know, connected to like, like the teachers that I've had because when, when, when it was about the reading, like a teacher made me feel so bad about not reading all these books. And she held me accountable. And, and I had this extreme guilt, like that I wasn't reading like I was supposed to. And I was always a good student, really good, good grade point average, but she made me want to devour this book. And it was like 2000 pages. And I don't even know why I wanted to read that. It was just, a, I saw a poster, like, you know, it was a competition for a scholarship. And if you read this book, you could write an essay or something like that. But now I apply it to everything with like, um, with producing, with like, you know, wanted to learn more about Shakespeare. Like, I want to complete. Re I want to read the whole Bard, but I, I haven't done that yet. But I, I'm, I'm like, that's a goal of mine. I want to read every Shakespeare play I could possibly read, just because I'm just in love with Shakespeare. I want to get really good at producing and uh, and directing and acting, and I just have so many goals. I'm a Gemini, so I like to do everything. <laughs> I understand that. So, how do you focus then on? on the specific goals. Cause I, I'm also the type of person who I can, I can literally be so scattered that nothing gets done and I have to find my ways to focus myself and prioritize and sort of triage, if you will, the things that I want to really focus on in the moment so that I can do them in an order of succession. How do you whittle that down? How do you decide what your focus is in the moment and what's going to kind of take a back seat for a while? That's something that I'm trying to relearn all the time. Cause it's, and, and now with like the age of social media, everything is so much, so much more complicated, but 
I just, t- I talked to a friend recently and uh, this is something I learned recently. It was like, just do three things a day. And that helped me focus more on what I have to do. And when I get those three things done, then I'll feel like I accomplished so much. That's the, something I'm trying to put into practice now, today. Like, don't try to do like the mountain of things that I have on my itinerary. Just try to do three things. Like with a movie we're producing, just try to do three things a day. Get that off my list. I get to spend time with my family. I get to have free time. I get to be spontaneous. Does that answer the question? Yeah, no, totally. Okay. It's I, I think that that's really sound advice. So a lot of people, when they're faced with a whole bunch of things that need to get done, everyone kind of feels like, or I shouldn't say everyone, because there are some people who just are like, ah, whatever, it'll get done when I, whenever it gets done, and it never gets done. But the people who are are actively seeking to improve and do better, sometimes we're faced with a mountain of tasks that need to get finished. And we, we think it has to all get done today. And it doesn't have to all get done today. It's about prioritizing what does need to be done today. Put that into that list of three, that to-do list, and then and then let go and then go live your life because you do still have to have that balance. And it seems like you're finding that balance. Yeah. Yeah. I feel it. But you know, I look, everybody, I struggle with it because- with, with two kids, there's always something thrown in the mix. Yes. But when I get, when I, when I make my list, when I get those three things done and I cross those things off the list, I feel so empowered and I feel so good. And, and I'm like, Hey, that's enough. That's I'm good today. <laughs> and that's a, it's a beautiful way to live. I think more people should do that. It's, it's kind of like the, the four day work week or the four hour work week or really kind of working smarter instead of harder because yeah. you know you can spin your wheels and spin your wheels. But I mean, I I'm, I'm pretty sure I read this somewhere and I don't remember where, so forgive me, you know, if I'm, if I'm misquoting it, but we only have the capacity to work for like a specific set number of hours in a day. We can only make a certain number of decisions properly mm-hmm. before we start to kind of just lose the handle on it because we face that fatigue in the brain. There's only so much that we can handle in a day. So putting all of your effort into those few little tasks on a daily basis, I feel is a lot more efficient than trying to scatter your energy across the whole spectrum. Yeah. So I just, I just think that that's such a powerful thing. Before we move on, there's, there's two things I want to touch on. Uh, you were talking about, you know, reading books constantly. Can you give us just for fun, your, your top three favorite books right now, or books that you're looking to, to jump into? Oh God, <laughs> my favorite books, The Fountainhead. And I still have it. It's so beat up. I read it when I was 18. The Secret. Mm-hmm. And I want to say just recently, like I just, um, oh, okay. It's Inner Work by Robert Johnson. And it's a, it's a book on Carl Jung's psychology and dream work. And I've been obsessed with dream, like, like realizing my dreams the past, since my daughter was born. So those three books. Wow. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack there. And and I'm just going to have to do that because <laughs> I just, I have to, if I skip it, then we're never going to come back to it. And, and there's, yeah. there's a lot of meat there. So I think that the secret ties into the dream world as well, because so for anyone who's not familiar with the secret, which I'm pretty sure the whole world is familiar with the secret at this point, you know, that originally came out and that was, that was think and grow rich. That was, it's been around for eons ah. and it's all about the law of attraction. It's all about really vibrating where you want to see your life expand to. And as you know, I'm a huge proponent of attracting, manifesting, creating your life as you go along. And it's all about the mindset that you have. But then looking at dreams, that's your subconscious kind of talking to you and telling you. But there's also, from my experience, dreams where you sort of can see glimpses of where you're going. And and it's, yeah. it's really a fascinating thing. So 
Talk to me about how that's kind of played out in your life and how you make your decisions. Because if, if The Secret is part of your top three all-time books, that means that you do believe in manifesting. It means you do believe oh, yeah. in, in bringing things in. So so how has that played into your life and how you make your decisions? You know, I have a part of my prayer and every night is, you know, just keep my dreams alive forever. I, I want my my dreams to come true. I just, that, that's my incantation. That's something that I'm constantly saying, you know, I'm just a very optimistic person that in that sense where I believe in incantation, I, I believe in re repeating, repeating like good things are happen, uh, good things are happening. This is, I'm just very good at projecting what I really want. And uh, as an actor in my career, I've been very, very blessed to, to experience success at a very young age. And so, and I've seen, I, I've been a witness to how it works because I've called it out and and it's like, I'm so blown away that it happens because this is an industry that's very difficult to break through. And I have my copy of, of The Secret, you know, I got it in 2007 and I read it and I devoured it. And I was just like, I recognize, I was like, oh, I think like this, this is like, I, I could see this, but this is how I need to put it into practice more. And this is how I need to make it stronger. And so as a, anyone that probably read the book, I just try to go deeper with my prayers, deeper with my manifestations, deeper with the incantations, because what you tell yourself will likely come true, you know? And it's something that I'm learning more from other people that that talk about, you know, just putting positive vibes out there. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really it's a strong way to live, you know? Your inner monologue becomes your outer experience. That is I don't know if I read that somewhere or if I just, you know, pulled that out of the ethers, but the fact of the matter is, is how you talk to yourself and how you think about your life is what you're going to experience. And that's just what it is. And there are some people who have a really hard time with that because they don't believe it's true. And so I would argue at that point, like when you don't believe it's true and you believe that all the, you know, that everything's up to chance and that you're just going to experience the negative and you, you then have that self-fulfilling prophecy, it's because of the way you're thinking and you're, yeah. liter you're literally putting that into your existence. So your inner monologue does become your outer experience. And it's so important that we pay attention to the things that we say to ourselves. Now, you yeah. also mentioned that you're you're currently producing a film and I want I want to talk about that because I think that's going to lead us into family stuff. And I do want to touch on that because, you know, as you know, obviously, I had your wonderful wife on the show not oh, too yeah. long ago and and I know that you guys are producing together, so can we talk about this real quick? Yeah, wow, the 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 whole thing with our film it was probably the most like terrifying thing to start because we were just like we decided to crowdfund for this film and it was a very vulnerable space to be in because uh we just put it out to the world like here we are world this is our film if you like it contribute and and we had to make videos and we had to put ourselves out there and we had to do live streams on facebook and instagram and I struggled with it because I was like, I don't know if I want to do this and ask people to, you know, to help us out with this dream. And um, and then I realized I'm like, no, this is this is what I'm doing. This is what I want to do. Like if if I show people how passionate we are about this project, they're gonna be they're gonna share that passion. And we started off being really insecure about it, and then we just started building confidence, and and then we discovered this book, The War of Art. You know how how artists struggle with you know, struggle sometimes because when you show someone that you're going after your dreams, people act funny. And they're like, oh, they, if they see you really going after it, they, their personalities change. And sometimes you see it in your family and your friends. And 
And it's like, well, what is that weird behavior that I'm getting? Like, is and and this book kind of helped me identify that and give it a name, empowered me so much. And I'm like, I'm going on live Instagram and I'm gonna just profess my passion for this film. And I got so much love for it. And our crowdfunding took off. And then, and I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna do this even more. And I, I hired a company and I, I did Facebook lives and I did more Instagram live. And I was just really passionate about it. And then we got an investor and I was like, whoa, this wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> what, what happened? And, uh, and it was just beautiful learning lesson that I had just to really continue my uh, my purpose and i heard you know michael beckwith used to talk about this uh, he he's one of the writers and speakers in the secret but he he always said i listened to a radio show and he always says if you don't listen to your power voice nothing will go right for you and so i took like the mission of producing a film and like doing something bigger than what i was doing acting like just i was like i have to i have to listen to that power voice and i have to you know transcend my obstacles and I have to do this and I, and I can't show fear. And, um, and that's what I learned. I was like, I have to listen to my power voice and I have to make this film, which is so incredibly difficult, but it's not difficult when you have people, you know, supporting you the way, the way we have. And so it was a beautiful process. And I'm so glad that we rode that train all the way through and we didn't stop because, uh, it was a, it was a really beautiful experience. Yeah. First of all, there's a lot to unpack there as well. And I'm, I'm like dying to get to the family aspect of you because, you know, with all the success on all the, you know, entertainment side, there's also the successful dad and husband and the fact that you've been with Brandy for like ever. You guys met in high school and you've been together for literally for so long. And that is literally the pinnacle of success in a relationship to be able to be together and grow together through multiple stages of life. And I want to come to that in just a second. However, I have to touch on the concept of listening to the power voice and really following through with the film. And I want to touch on also where the film is in production right now. You know, you know, obviously for for anyone listening who's not remembering the episode with Brandy, the film is White Like Me. And it's mm -hmm. it's amazing. Can you talk a little bit about A, the film, the direction that it's going in as far as as where it is in the production phase or uh, as well as what what birthed the concept? What birthed the concept? I, I think the, the, what birthed the concept is Brandy had this uh, incredible idea and she's like, what do you think? And uh, she told me that she wanted to change her identity in this film. She's like, I'm just very curious what it would be like to be this very powerful man. And, uh, and I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is so, like the minute she said it, I'm like, this is an amazing, an amazing movie. And then we were just sending it around to other people and everybody was like, you have to make this, you have to make this. And we're like, really? And we just kept asking, like, just, you know, talking about it. And we're like, no, this is, we have to make this film. And so Brandy just spent every night for like, I think a whole year, just writing every night. And it, it just, it almost came like effortlessly to her. And, and my whole position in it is I was gonna, you know, co-direct it and uh, produce it with her um, because I just love the idea. And, and we have, a, we, we, we produce like two or three projects together. So we, we really enjoy working together. And that's been a big dream of ours. We've never had a, pa a project where we are like so passionate about it. And right now in the stage of the film, we are in um, 
uh, casting. So uh, pre-production, COVID really like threw us for a loop. We were supposed to be in production last May, but due to COVID, we had to put everything on pause. So we're hopefully planning to go into production in late spring, early summer. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. Last thing I want to touch on before we jump into family stuff, which is obviously some of my favorite, but you know, you mentioned when, when people see that you're going after your dreams and you're really, you've got your foot on the gas pedal floored, they tend to change how they are towards you. And I I wanted to touch on that because I didn't want to let that moment slip by without addressing it because I've noticed that too. You know, when people see you go after what you want, whatever the dream is, a lot of the times people can kind of get a little funny about it. And from what I've gathered, in my opinion, it seems as though the reason they behave this way is because it's a reaction to the fact that they didn't have the courage to go after their dreams. And so they're, they're putting that on you. Do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's almost like they're having they're almost about to like go for it, but they they realize I don't need to, I'm going to be safe, and then they 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 project those fears onto other people. Because I've had really good friends like you know, not reach out and show support and you know, your family members were like, "Okay, I wasn't expecting that response or, you know, just just people that I, I think sometimes your my passion or our passion came off as too strong, and you know sometimes those people they're not your people. You know they they don't really they don't understand what you're trying to do. It's just it's very fascinating because with with the help of this this amazing book, I was able to identify it, and it just it really empowered me. And I know for a lot of artists out there that that don't have that awareness, it's very very frustrating because they they get personal. And they, they think it's about them and it's not, it's, it's very much the other person. And I would just, you know, tell every artist to, to really just don't take anything personal because in the artist world, it's, it's, it's all about you, um, your art, your, your passion, and just stay true to yourself. Don't listen to anyone, even if it's your closest friend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it brings up the whole fact that art is really subjective. So even when you're out on that audition and you nail it, you crush it, could be the same thing for a job interview, whatever it is, you you just go out there and you crush it. You have no idea what they're looking for. You have no idea what's going on. So just do you just have to do your job and understand that the right stuff comes to you. And I, I think that with respect oh, yeah. to people not taking things personally, that's literally so one of my favorite books, one of the books that transformed me probably, and it's such a small book and so easy to read is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Loved it. Right? Oh, it's, loved it. It's, that is it. It's take nothing personally because nothing is ever really about you. It's always about the other person. Always. Unless you like walk up, even like if you walk up to someone and slap them across the face for no reason. Okay, fine. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's on the person, but even that's, on yeah. the per- you know what I mean? The fact of the matter is yeah. that we're all basically starring in our own movie and everyone else is, is, is a day player or, or a supporting character. Yeah. And that's just the way life is. You can never really know where someone else is coming from. And, and that's, that's both an empowering and, and frightening thought, I think for some people, because really, how do you really know where someone's coming from? And yet at the same time, all of our experiences, the more detail oriented you get and the more personal you get, the more relatable you become because we all have the same thoughts, feelings, and desires. We want to be loved, accepted, and celebrated. And, and that's it. That's what everybody wants is, yeah. is, that, is that, that togetherness, right? 
your authentic self people when you're your authentic self people will love you no matter what and uh, you just have to stay true to yourself and and then you'll attract your people you know that that you're meant to be around and and a lot of times you'll hopefully inspire others to do the same yes yes and i saw i i saw a meme or it was a quote and i actually put it up on one of the episodes recently or within the last few weeks i think and it basically says if you're if you find yourself tiptoeing amongst your friends you're not walking amongst your tribe meaning if you have to mind your p's and q's all the time and you're worried about if you say this will you offend them or i can't really share this with that person you're not with your people your people accept yeah. you no matter what and and they yeah. they don't look at you and judge you they go yeah man that's you that's me let's let's do this, you know? And so when you do behave or live your life authentically as who you are, unapologetically as yourself, obviously with the intention of becoming the best version of yourself, because you can't just be like, well, I'm a murderer and that's who I am. Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I know that's like super extreme, but you know, it it still, it still stands. Like if, if you're always trying to be the best version of yourself and you're always trying to be a good human being and you're always trying to do for others and you're always, but you know, maybe Maybe you talk too much. I'm I'm guilty of that for sure. I, I talk for a living. Yeah. So of course I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm gonna speak a lot. But at the end of the day, I know that my intentions are pure. And so I don't care if other people don't like me. I know that I'm being myself and my people will be there. And so that's kind of the message, I think. That's you beautiful, know? yeah. Yeah. You'll you'll attract your tribe because that's just the way it goes. Yeah. So yeah. with that being said, I want to talk about uh, obviously you and Brandy. So in Hollywood, Hollywood is known for, hey, we're married for 32 seconds and it's over. You obviously have figured out the key to longevity. You have two beautiful children. You oh, thank you. An ama- well, yeah, it's it's objectively true and subjectively <laughs> true. I mean, they're gorgeous kids. They're sweet kids. Obviously, like their parents, you guys are wonderful, wonderful human beings. But, but beyond that, you've created this amazing relationship with each other where from the outside looking in and you know obviously we're friends but looking at it i'm going wow these are these are two best friends who are together in a relationship and i know what that is cuz i have that myself what do you attribute the success of your relationship to because you know you you've been together for a really long time and and especially in the industry that we are in that's not necessarily an easy thing to do yeah i had to learn how to listen uh, early on in our relationship. And I, you know, that was probably one of my faults as a man. I just kind of didn't listen as well as I should have. And this was probably really, really early in our relationship. And I, and I, I think I figured out that, you know, just deep, deep, deep listening and having an amazing conversations and really learning from each other, challenging each other because we're never bored with each other. It's always like something new that we want to do. And so it's almost like I'm learning so much from my wife and I think hopefully she's, I'm able to do the same for her, but it's, it's almost that nice, healthy back and forth of ideas and sharing different goals and always just creating together and learning together. And, and I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. They're like, oh, you know, I have my PhD in this. I'm, I've learned everything I need to know. I'm the smartest person around. I don't need to learn anything from my partner. I am so intelligent. And I, I think people get stuck in that in that mindset, but it's, it's no, when you get your PhD, when you're the smartest person, that's when you start to learn and you keep learning and you keep learning because that's, that's what life's about. And I think people get in, in this headspace of I'm, I know everything. 
like, no, you don't. You're going to, you're going to meet someone who you're going to fall in love with and you're going to have to just learn together and just grow. And I, I just, that, that whole concept I, I, I love because it, it kind of frees me up. Like if, if she calls me out on something, I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. You know, you're right. I'm going to, I'm going to own up to that. And I think we had a healthy, healthy back and forth where we're able to call each other out and not take it personal and just be like, oh, you're right. You know, I was, I was acting like that today. I'm sorry. You know, I learned something new today. And I think a lot of people might, or not a lot of people, I don't even know because I've been in the same relationship for so for, forever, but I've read about, there are people that just are, so, that it's just, it's hard for them to change. Yeah, I think for many people, for many relationships where you hear about people breaking up and, you know, look, sometimes it's not the right person, okay? Sometimes it just doesn't oh, yeah. line up and that's okay. But when you do find the right person, like so many people, I think, and, and Hollywood is at fault for this too, in the sense that it's romanticized in, 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 in a way where you are led to believe that when you find the right person, everything is puppies and rainbows all the time and it just works. Yeah, yeah. And there are long stretches where that's sort of true in the sense that if you have the same goals, beliefs, ideals, you're connected in a spiritual level, you're connected on an emotional level and on a on a on on an intellectual level as well because, you know, there has to be a, a match. It can't be yeah, off yeah. in some capacity. So when that's going on, yeah, I mean, it your issues are less or smaller, but at the same time, there's still going to be arguments, there's still going to be rough patches, there's still going to be points where you look at this person and you go, they're driving me absolutely nuts. I just but it's it's a choice, isn't it? I mean, how many how many times? And I, I don't even want to ask for a number because I know as a, as a human being that there's so many times where you have to basically just say, no, no, I choose this. This is my person. I love them no matter what. Even if they're driving me nuts in this moment, it's still a choice. I'm choosing to grow with this person. I'm choosing to look at myself and go, okay, I can do better. Doesn't matter what she's yeah. doing or what he's doing. I can do better. How many times have you found yourself or I guess more more so the question is, have you often found yourself in that place where you're like, nope, I know it's crazy right now, but this is my person. How many? Oh yeah. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that's happened a lot where I'm, you know, nothing, no matter what our argument is or whatever, it's like, uh, I've, I've always had that deep understanding, like, nope, that's my person. And, and sometimes it's funny because I'm like, is there a message trying to come through this person that I'm not getting? Because <laughs> is there is there a sign that I'm supposed to be paying attention to? But no, I, I we, we always we had that understanding that, you know, we married like in 2008 and we've had like every couple ups and downs. But um, I, I, I think it's it's thankfully because of, you know our deep conversations and our deep understanding for each other's purpose. That's always like brought us together and made us strong. And, and just the fact that we're each other's witness, like we've been, we've known each other since we were 12. So I've witnessed her whole life pretty much. And she's witnessed my life. And so that, that bond is really strong, but yeah, no matter what, what trials we have, it's always that, that knowing that, you know, we're fam, we're each other's family. We're that's it. You know? Yeah, I do know because I'm, I'm in a very similar position. I mean, Sharice and I haven't known each other since we were 12. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's just not the way it went. But from the moment we met, it was basically, you know, we were, that was it. Like we met and that was, that was it. But a lot of people I know listening would probably ask, like, how do you, how do you keep things fresh? Because knowing someone since you're 12, getting together, I know you guys got together like a number of years later, 
but then being married for married and together for as long as you have been, you know, some people are like, well, wouldn't, wouldn't that get stale? And, and I know the answer is no, but to just get to the question, how do you keep things fresh and exciting? We're always, we're always moving and I'm always, uh, you know, emotion comes from motion. If you're moving and you're excited and you're traveling and you're creating things just happen and you fall more in love with the other person. And how do I keep it fresh? That's a really wonderful question. It's, it's almost like staying in a constant state of learning. Like we're always teaching each other about new concepts. You know, we're always, okay, this is, Brandy said this the other day. And she was like, sometimes you just have to dip in the river, right? You just have to dive deep in the river. It's like, that's so good. That's what we do. We always dive in the river. It's almost like that feeling we get when we're preparing for a scene and acting class and we go on stage and we perform and it's like, oh, thank God. Like you're terrified before you get on stage, but after you're like, oh my God, I feel so amazing. And I think that's what we do as a couple. We're always diving in the river. We're like, let's do, let's do something crazy. Let's create a film. And it's like, oh my God, you want to do this. And it's so exhilarating because you're doing something like not normal. And it's like, let's do something crazy. Let's last minute go to India. Like, so I think it's, I, w- I would say, I would steal the quote from Brandy, like just to other couples, like just do something different, dip in the, just dive in the river and just go like wake your body up and just do, do something out of the norm and it'll keep you alive. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. I also think that something you said earlier is, is really apt here too, because you said that you're you're constantly learning from each other. You're constant. You, you you're never not surprised by something about her, and you've known each other for so long. And I think that that's that's really the truth. Is that you never really fully have everything from that person. It's it's always a growth experience. It's always there's always an opportunity to learn something, and there's always an opportunity to grow together. And as long as you make that your north star, like hey, we're like I'll I'll tell you right away, and and anyone who's listened to the show uh, understands and knows this. For Sharice and I, there, divorce is never a, it's never an option. It's not a thing. Like we don't we don't like we'll get into a fight. We'll get we'll get upset. But it's never, there's never in the back of either of our heads, like, okay, I'm out, I'm leaving, I'm done. No one's ever said that. We've never threatened it. It's never been a thing. It's always, we know we're going to work it out. Maybe we need 10 minutes. Maybe we need a day. Maybe we need an hour, whatever it is. Like we, there's that whole uh, bogus saying of like, don't go to bed angry. Uh, No, go to bed angry. Like, forget about it. Yeah. (laughs) Don't try to solve all the problems at 2.30 in the morning. You're not going to get better as the night gets older. You know what I mean? Like, go get some rest and talk about it the next day with a little bit of perspective. So whoever came up with that advice of like, don't go to bed angry, clearly has been divorced numerous times because (laughs) there's no way. There's no, especially with kids. Can you imagine staying up all night trying to solve an argument? You go to bed at five o'clock in the morning. Kids wake you up at 6.30. That's a great day isn't it? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. We, we've, we've done both. We've resolved at night and resolved in the morning. <laughs> we've done everything like, yeah. <laughs> Before we wrap up, I want to ask you two questions. The first being what kind, what would you say is the one thing that couples should focus on for longevity? Like what would you say your biggest bit of advice for couples to succeed in a relationship long-term? What would you say that is? Like if you're serious about the person, if you're a serious person and you're planning to marry this person, I would say do couples therapy because uh-huh. that was one of the steps that we took 
where I had a, a light bulb go off and I was, and I re, I realized I'm like, I don't listen. I, I don't, I, I don't listen as well as I should. And we only, we only did couples therapy for like maybe a month early on in our relationship. And it was very helpful to me because after that, I, I was just very, I was very aware of that a trait in myself. And so I, I was working on it and I work it, I work on it with other people as well. I'm working on it right now. I'm trying to always make sure I'm listening. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. Listening, listening is, is a really big key. And, and it's so interesting because I find that with, with therapy, you have a moderator there. You have someone who's going to basically go, Hey, listen, I hear what you're saying, but are you listening to what she's saying or what he's saying? Yeah. And yeah. I think it's really important to have that because especially if you're going to go and bark on a lifelong journey with somebody, that's what a marriage is supposed to be. It's supposed to be, Hey, let's grow together. Let's grow old together. Let's, let's end up on the rocking chair on the porch, having lemonade at the end of the day when we're 95 years old. That's yeah. the goal, right? Like that's where we want to get to. And everybody has program response to everything. It's almost like we have a built-in system. It's like, Oh, I know how to respond to that. I know how to respond to that. I'm just going to give that robotic answer it's not doing anything. You're not really taking in the other person. And so getting rid of some old programming helps. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. I mean, the old programming is, is stuff that we learned from like birth to eight years old and we didn't know. And that was just inserted into our brains. And then we, we react from there. But the fact of the matter is, is that you then have a whole lifetime to undo the stuff that doesn't suit you and then reinforce the stuff that does. So that leads me to the, the next question, which is if you had one bit of advice to give people to live the best version of themselves in this lifetime. So whether that's meditation, reading books, whatever it is, what would you say is the one thing that you would give to other people to go, hey, you know what? If you want to improve your life, this is what you need to do. I would say to find a, a very deep ritual that you're in love with because whatever you love, whether it's yoga, meditation, reading, anything that gets you connected with your unconscious, do it because that's your invitation to look within. And that's your invitation to loving yourself. That's your invitation to, to breathing deeper, to listening deeper. And just, it'll, it'll help you take that unconscious, that expression that needs to come out, out and you'll be able to be a healthier human being. So yeah, finding a ritual. I love that. I think that's I think that's wonderful advice. If you're not already following Michael on Instagram, go ahead and do so. He's on Twitter. He's on every single area you can possibly find. I know that White Like Me has a page, I believe, right? On, on Facebook, yeah. Yep, on Facebook. Go ahead and support the film. It's amazing. I know we did the same. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. It's been, it's always amazing talking to you, but, you know, today especially so, because we got to go deep. The kids are not around us at, at the moment. Yeah, so. I know. <laughs> We're it's able quiet to for now. Moment like really quiet <laughs> trying to break through the door yeah, yeah for the exactly. time yeah yeah they're they're about to bust down the door but that's okay thank yeah. you again so much for being here on the show michael steger you can find him everywhere literally everywhere so excited for the future thank you so much thank you Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Enhanced Living Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach me directly at enhancedliving.net. Thanks for listening.